Hey everybody, this is Rob from DC Primetime and the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, and I'm here to tell you about a couple friends of ours, and that's the fine folks over at BoardGameBento.com. Now, if you're not familiar with who they are, they offer a great loot box experience for you monthly, and what they do is each month, Board Game Bento comes with a theme surprise selection of tabletop games and accessories. The best part, each box comes with at least $80 worth of games, and it's mailed right to your door. Take advantage of a special offer that we're putting on right now for from the fine folks at Next Level and Board Game Bento by using the offer code Next Level, all one word, at checkout over at BoardGameBento.com. There's never been a better time to start building your board game collection. Warning The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 67 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the Next Level Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Group Cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And it's going to be another short one this week. Well, for us, not for you. We're going to be bringing you guys another full podcast this week as we... uh, we're in between our annuals. Last week, we had our Supergirl annual, which we had a number of people either post on the Facebook page and message us said that they really enjoyed last week's annual, which um, surprises at least me because we didn't <laughs> we didn't prep for it at all. No, we really <laughs> didn't, which was kind of amusing. Like, I mean, for us, like, you know, normally, like, when we're in the off season, we're like, nobody listens right now. Like, it's kind of like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> and, I mean, it's it, it worked out great. I mean, because we... I mean, we, we, we spaced out these annuals so that we could give ourselves additional time to re- go back and rewatch these episodes and such. And uh, so far for Legends and for Supergirl, we haven't done that. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I like doing this. I still like spacing them out a little bit to fill out the summer a little bit more. And so I think this is going to be a pattern we're going to continue with uh, in future years and such. So, Well, um, I, I think it's also nice, too, because, like, this is kind of, for us, our off season is much, much as we can have one. Like you know, with still doing a show every week. But I, I, I as much as I love these shows, the summer month, and I, I really, you know, I miss watching the shows week to week. It's really nice not having like five hours of homework to do every week, basically. So yeah, um, right now, so we're just I think taking advantage of it as much as we can to be able to kind of like mentally rest up and just catch up on normal life stuff in the off months, but. Uh, I mean, at the same time, though, too, like in what, two weeks when Comic-Con hits and it's going to be the cavalcade of news and you and me are both going to be like, oh, I just want the shows back now. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know we're going to start being, you know, itching for that very, very soon. So. Well, not only that, but I mean, you know, yeah, San Diego Comic-Con is coming up. And I actually I our friend Tony, uh, Tony Kim from. Um, oh, my God. Why can't You're- I? 
the uh, hero within. Hero within. That's it. Yeah. Um, he actually posted, and I'm trying to look it up as I'm talking. Um, the the schedule for Comic Con has been posted. Yeah. And uh, he's big at it because his this is a big year for him. I mean, Hero Within has only been around for. Um, a little over a year. It's been hugely successful, and they're at San Diego Comic Con this year. I mean, they're and they're not just at San Diego Comic Con this year. They are like pushed and being backed by DC at at San Diego Comic Con this year. Yeah, is... I, I could see I could see some maybe big announcements coming out of Tony this week. And I mean, I know he's also been working on trying to get some new licenses too. So uh, I, I got my fingers crossed for him that he's got he's maybe going to pick up a few more things and maybe have some announcements at uh, SDCC. Yeah, this I mean this is going to be huge for him because he's he's working on. Uh, last time I spoke with Tony, he's working on licenses with Marvel. He's working on licenses with um, uh, within the Doctor Who universe and I think within the Harry Potter universe too. So he's man, I'm so happy that things have been blowing up for him. Lately. Yeah. Oh man, I really want to see him get Harry Potter because I would love to see like house jackets and stuff like that. Man, that would <laughs> I would buy every one of them. So yeah, I'm not seeing the post on his Facebook page, but I know he's posted the schedule. The um, but the schedule for San Diego Comic Con has come up, and uh, we'll we'll be paying attention to absolutely everything that comes out of it. And oh yeah, that, well, looking I mean, forward like, to it. Well, I mean, one of the things I can say, like, because it was a kind of a small news story, but um. Now we can just get it out of the way here. But I do know that as far as DCEU films, um, definitely expect a lot of Justice League and a lot of Aquaman. Uh, we already know both films are going to have a large presence in Hall H. So uh, be ready. Yeah, but, ab- absolutely. But I think we're going to be getting some other teases. We'll bring that up in the, uh, when we get into the news. So uh, I found the, the actual um, schedule. And I don't think there's a lot as far as DC. Oh, well, Thursday, 10 a.m. DC collectibles. So we're going to see some new stuff coming out of the collectibles crew, which there is actually already some new figures announced. Uh, yeah, um, from the Arrowverse. Yeah, the Arrowverse stuff. Uh, we also finally got a really good shot of Steppenwolf too for the actual figurines for Justice League. Um, so our first full picture of him is now out there too, which looks really close to uh, uh, the new 52 Steppenwolf that we saw. Um, from Jeff John's uh, storyline in the beginning of the New 52. So very, very similar. It looks really good. So I was very happy to see that they're going with that comic book design. It, it looks a lot nicer than I anticipated. I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. So I might have to look for it. But yeah, um, the DC collectibles, I don't know if you've seen them, but the, there's uh, there's now figures for Martian Manhunter, Supergirl, uh, Vixen, and Constantine. Oh, nice. Yeah, which <laughs> they awesome. look pretty oh, Matt cool. Matt Ryan? Yeah, yeah, Matt Ryan, That's Constantine. And I think what I'm going to try and do is maybe by the end of the summer is I'm going to try and maybe pick some of these up. And we're going to do a giveaway uh, yeah, for some absolutely. of these for some of these figures, which is going to be kind of cool. Uh, so DC Collectibles has a panel on Thursday. I'll go through just a couple of these real quick. Uh, Teen Titans Go is going to be showing a new episode also at 10 a.m. on Thursday at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, let's see. Uh, you just sent me a link. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's the step. Oh, the look at the Steppenwolf design. I'll take a look at that in a second. Um, yeah, man, I didn't realize uh, Batman the Animated Podcast live uh, at eleven o'clock. Oh my Jesus! There's a lot of scheduled panel stuff that happens at San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I'm scrolling through, and I'm only at eleven thirty, in which there's a DC All Access uh, panel. 
Um, yeah, no, there, there, there is an obscene amount. I think there, we're going to get our, I think there's some rumblings that they'll get the first look at not only, oh my God, what was it? Shit. Uh, brain. Uh, I apologize also to everybody. I slept for an hour. So <laughs> I, uh, if I start yawning or if my brain just shuts down like it just did, don't be surprised. Um, but now I, I think they did say we're going to see a little bit of, uh, Young Justice, uh, you know, Outsiders, the new season. I think they said that'll definitely be uh, showing. I think on Thursday. Um, so yeah, I, I, it sounds like we're, they're going to do like some animated stuff on Thursday. Keep some TV show stuff. I think what is that Friday? Uh, well, I, I I just did a search. I didn't realize I could do a search on DC, um, and that actually narrowed it down a little bit. So yeah, so. Um, Looking through Thursday's probably well, Jeff Johns is going to be doing a panel on Thurs on Thursday at three fifteen. Uh, DC Comics goes Steve Steampunk at seven o'clock. That sounds kind of cool. Uh, DC Universe Rebirth Friday at eleven fifteen uh, in the morning. Um, let's see, DC Dark Knights Metal and Dark Matter. Don't know what that is. That's also on Friday. Uh, DC- uh, that's a, the new Batman. Uh- Oh, well, not Batman, but like the DC wide storyline that's happening right now. Okay. Uh, DC from page to screen at 4.15 on Friday. Learn to draw with Jim Lee. That could be kind of cool. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Saturday, July 22nd, DC's Justice for All, which is talking about the, uh, the Justice League characters. 11.15, DC Essential, or DC Essential. 12.30, DC's Harley Quinn, celebrating, celebrating 25 years. Uh, and I feel old now. Yeah, I know. So do I. <laughs> uh, Jack Kirby's 100th birthday celebration with IDW. Uh, let's see. Krypton special video presentation and Q&A. So that's going to be – they're probably going to be showing the first episode of Krypton at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucifer special video presentation and Q&A. So they'll probably be showing the season premiere. Uh, Star Trek Discovery. That's not DC related. But I'm still very curious. I am so. too. I don't see the panel listed for Justice League. I know there's going to be one. Uh, Saturday, Hall H. They may just have a, a a massive block scheduled out for Hall H. That's this DC. Uh, that's my guess. That's probably what they're going to do. Yeah, I don't uh, see it. I don't see it listed on the panel scheduling. But this might not list Hall H either. It may not. But but I do know for a fact. Uh, it just was announced on I believe Screen Rant. Uh, Screen Rant and I believe on CBR that, yeah, both Justice League and Aquaman have a large presence Saturday at Hall H. Um, and I do know there is supposed to be a big, huge block. It's either Friday or early Saturday uh, as far as just the Arrowverse uh, and then CW and CW in general. But I think there's supposed to be a big focus uh, and that's going to go into Black Lightning. And it sounds like they're showing the first episode of Black Lightning there. Uh, and then the full discussions of what's happening as far as Supergirl Flash, Arrow, Legends, uh, we know all four shows, uh, in, in addition to Black Lightning, will all be there in abundance. Um, we talked about that a little bit last week, too, when we were talking about some of the synopsis that started to kind of come out for these shows. We know the actual Arrow cast, or like the majority of almost all of the Arrow cast is going to be there looking back at the five-year journey um, le- leading up to season six. Yeah, here so. we go. I actually found the Hall H schedule. Uh, Thursday, July 20th, uh, Netflix films Bright and Death Note. That could be kind of cool. 
Uh, Friday, July 22nd, 10 to 11 is Big Bang, is Cast of the Big Bang Theory. Uh, 11, 15 to 12, 15, Cast of the Fear of the Walking Dead. 12, 15 to 1, 15, The Walking Dead. 130 to 2.30, Game of Thrones. 4 to 5 is Preacher. 5 to 5.15, Marvel's The Defenders. That would be a cool panel to be at. Uh, one, um, 11.30 to 1.30 p.m. on Saturday, July 22nd, Warner Brothers Pictures presentation with Justice League, an early look at Aquaman, Ready Player One, and Blade Runner 2049. Oh, Ready Player One. I am excited <laughs> to see that. I hope a trailer comes out that day. I movie. do, too. I'm so excited. One of my favorite books of all time. I love it. I've read it like, I've read it like two or three times already, and it's... Oh, yeah. I've, I've read it about maybe five or six times and listened to the audiobook, which the beautiful thing about the audiobook, too. Narrated by Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Yep, I have it too. I have it on my phone. I haven't listened to the audiobook yet, but I, I have it. Uh, 2 to 2.45 p.m., Women Who Kick Ass with Atomic Blondes, Charlize Theron. Uh, 3 p.m., Stranger Things Season 2. Uh, 4.15 to 4.50 is a DC Legends of Tomorrow panel in the ballroom, uh, as well as a Gotham panel at... Uh, yeah, see, here's a couple that weren't even mentioned. Uh, 1 to 115, or 115 to 145 is a Krypton panel. Uh, 12, uh, 150 to 250 is a Lucifer panel. 250 to 350 is Gotham. 330 to 410 is Supergirl. 410 to 450 is DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Westworld will be in Hall H. Uh, 450 to 510, Black Lightning. Mm -hmm. Which would be kind of cool. The Flash from 510 to 515. Uh, 550 to 630 is Arrow. And yeah, so all of them are on, on Saturday. So it looks like DC's day is primarily Saturday. On, on yeah. Saturday. Um, cause it doesn't look like, it doesn't, there's not really a lot on Sunday at all. There's only like seven panels. Yeah, um, Sundays are usually pretty small because that show really kind of kicks off on Wednesday. Like the small, some of the small things happen then. Uh, and then the panels hit hit with a vengeance on a Thursday forward. So yeah, one of these days I'll get to. I, I've told myself if I can get to San Diego Comic Con as press, I will go. But I won't. I, I don't want to pay. I've known enough people that have gone to SDCC and they've said, "Holy shit!" Unless you feel like standing in a line for one specific thing for the entirety of a day. Don't bother. Well, that's why I'd um, only go as press because as press, yeah. you probably get some early access to some of these panels and right. uh, not have to says... wait in line. I'm, I'm not waiting and I'm not paying, you know, probably close to a thousand dollars for a hotel room for four days. Uh, plus my airfare, which is going to be another couple hundred dollars there and back just to go and sit in line at like six o'clock in the morning for a six o'clock in the afternoon panel at Harl H. Like yeah. you no, wasted I, your I, whole day. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like if, if people listen to Caffeine Crew, uh, if you go back into our backlogs a bit, uh, anytime that we talk about conventions, like big, big, big conventions, you know my 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 opinion on that, which is uh, don't bother. Uh, it's as much as I love fandom of of all of this stuff, I, and I absolutely adore it. Um, big conventions that are just that that have outgrown themselves. That's what your experience is. It's waiting in a line, and when you're paying exorbitant amounts of money to do it, I, I just don't understand the purpose. Yeah. Um, I mean, as much as I would love to do some of these things, uh, the experience that you have in your brain is not the experience you actually have. No, I mean, and we've been to a number of conventions, both large and small, you know, uh, from like Wizard World to, you know, down to Harrisburg Comic Con, which is only done two years. The smaller the con, man, the, the more fun, the I, the more fun yeah. I have. 
Absolutely. You get more I, time with the guests that are there. Sometimes, I mean, granted, the guests aren't always that big, but I mean, you look at Harrisburg Comic Con, which is only in its second year. I mean, they had people like David Ramsey and Brett Dalton. Like, those are some big guests for, they're the same kind of caliber guests that Wizard World gets. Yeah, they don't get as get many of them, but they get and, them. And when it's a smaller show, sometimes it's a lot more personable, uh, and the, the guests have a tendency to be a little bit more open and opened up about things. Um, they have more fun with you because they, they get to engage with you more. You get to spend more time with them. You know, the bigger the con, the more you're treated like a lemming. Um, yeah. You're kind of just shoved through the line, and that's it. Like Wizard World, you go through photo ops, and it's like, click, all right, move on, click, all right, move on. And you get no time with them. So same thing when you're in line getting their autographs. It's like, all right, we have 100 more people behind you, but you, you got to move. Yeah. So. I mean, if you want any, any actual time, I mean, occasionally some of those shows do like really awesome VIP events. I mean, you're you're paying for it, obviously. Yeah. But um, I mean, and that's usually the only opportunity you get to actually have some serious one on one. But I urge people look for the small cons around you. Keep an eye on them and, and go to them because that's actually those things become incredibly amazing when they're, they're supported by their fan base. Yeah, so. I mean, it's a good, it's a really good reason. It's the main reason why I love not only going to, but now working with the people that do the fan fest conventions, which are the heroes and villains and the Walker stalker, uh, because they've got it down. I mean, they're, they've got that happy medium where they get a number of large guests, but they keep their attendance and their, um, their venue smaller so that you get more time with these large guests. And, um, and such. I mean, you look at Heroes and Villains Nashville, which is happening right now, actually. Um, I mean, you get to I'm seeing pictures of people that I know are at Heroes and Villains Nashville and are engaging with all the guests. And you look at some of the guests that are at Heroes and Villains Nashville, and it's people like Stephen Amell, John Barrowman, Brett Dalton, Michael Rooker, David Ramsey, Rick Gonzalez, Echo Cullum, Katrina Law. They got Maggie Gaya this year from Gotham. This is like her first con. Uh, who plays Poison Ivy? Madison McLaughlin, um, you know, for, uh, this is hers. Michael Rowe, who's friends with ours. Drew Powell. It's like it, there's some seriously good sized guests that go to these cons, and it's so. If you ever get a chance to go to a Heroes and Villains con, again, I'm, I'm being biased because I I work with them, but um, if you see them, they travel across the country. Go to one. Go to Heroes and Villains. Go to Fan Fest um, or go to Walker Stalker. If you if you want to go to San Diego Comic-Con, I, I'd say experience it once just for the sake of experiencing it, and then you never have to go again. Yeah, well, you, you know, it's kind of like uh, for gamers out there, E3. I mean, honestly... It, I did it once, beyond, and yeah, it's like, I never you know, had to do it again. San Diego Comic-Con, I mean, like the big thing nowadays, uh, you know, most of the panels that you care about are, are going to end up being live-streamed, or there's going to be a stream of them up by some, some form of press that's there uh, with... Either, you know, when it's happening or, like, within an hour after. Um, you know, you even hear the press talk about that about E3 all the time. Like, why do we go to this show? Yeah. <laughs> we can watch all of these from the comfort of our own offices or homes and then just report on them as they happen. So, yeah, I went always, I, always I, the thing. I went to E3 once. Never have to do it again. I went to New York Comic Con once. I will never do it again because uh, New York was horrible. I mean, the the guests were cool and the panels were cool, but man, I felt like I felt like a sardine in a tune in a can on the on the um, on the vendor floor. Like I couldn't I usually when I go to cons, like I usually like to come home with my con take, you know, where I, I'll pick up some Funko Pops or I'll pick up some comics or I'll pick up some kind of artwork or something like that. And 
I literally came home with one thing from New York Comic Con because I couldn't stop to look at anything else. I just kept getting herded through the floor. Yeah, the Javits Center has outgrown its usefulness for that show. Um, I mean, it's the same thing that's starting to happen now. Wizard World, Wizard World is getting a, to be very crammed, um, which is, uh, like I said, it's those shows that are just outgrowing their venues. And unfortunately, they have no other venue to go to locally that, that can house them. And it makes it very, very difficult. Well, not only that, but I mean, Wizard World this year, this is the first year in probably like four or five years that I didn't go. And we even had press access. It wouldn't have cost me a thing to go to Wizard World. And I still didn't go because the caliper of guests this year was not that good. Most of their large guests that they had, they didn't announce until two weeks before the show, which for a person who's like a con guest, that's fine. But for somebody who's press like us, we need some time in advance in order to either work with the con to set up interviews or to reach out to those guests' representatives to schedule something. And if you're within two weeks of the event, you have no time to schedule anything. Um, and not only that, but I mean, Wizard World this year, and I, I don't mean to talk down to them, but just pointing out some of the flaws this year. The past four or five years, Wizard World always, always had a media night the Wednesday before in which they get a couple of their, their bigger guests they have a place in Philadelphia that's, you know, kind of like a bar or something like that, but they set a room aside. They invite all the media people out there to come get their media, you know, credentials and everything all ready to go so that come the showtime, all you got to do is walk in. And they bring these guests in, too, so that you have an opportunity to interview some of these people and you're not taking away from their time on the floor. So it's a night specifically for that. And this year, they didn't have it. They kind of like completely screwed media this year. So for that reason, I didn't even bother going. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you don't like your your job when you're at those shows is to report on stuff, and when it, it, it's difficult for you, and it's not to say that the show is a bad show, um, not at all. It, it's just I think for for the purpose of what we do, um, you know, your job for next level is to be there and report, bring as much news as we can, interviews, content, and you know, it's it is free press for these shows, and that's what these shows have these guests there primarily to do is for them to engage with the fans, but also to meet with people like yourself and kind of uh, help usher their brand. Yeah. Um, that's, that is one of the key reasons that these people go out there. So when a con doesn't play ball with that, it, it makes that very, very difficult. And tricky. There, there are, there are conventions out there that kind of tend to forget. And I'll, I'll name one in particular because they're not around anymore because of this. Um, there are conventions out there that kind of tend to forget that, uh, yes, it's great then when you get con goers to pay money and go, uh, but without the media, you have no word of mouth for people to even know your con exists. Um, and a big, uh, proponent of a, a convention that forgot about that was Atlantic City Comic Con. Uh, I tried, they, they were around for two years. Uh, I tried both years to get media access and they completely screwed us over, um, and after the second year, I was like, you know what? There's no three strikes. You're out. We're not even going to bother with you next year. And guess what? They, they're they not around anymore. They lasted mm -hmm. two years, and that was it. Um, and it's because they just did not pay attention to the press. Uh, and so meaning their numbers were low, and people didn't want to come back. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this is, you know, for you guys, I mean, like, don't view this as a big venting session. This is more just kind of an inside look on how a lot of this works, because a lot of places usually don't talk about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, on how a lot of this functions. But I mean, like, again, San Diego Comic-Con, like, 
don't get me wrong, I am incredibly excited for like what if this show is in like what two weeks. Uh, I can't wait to see what comes out of this show. Um, but again, we, we're, this is a lot of this is just more or less us giving you a PSA, just urging you to go to your local shows, local conventions, uh, and get a chance to experience some of these things because you will have so much fun at a small show. Um, like I said, you may go in as like, oh well, this this big thing's not happening, or this news story's not going to break. If you go in with that mindset, yeah, you'll be disappointed. Uh, if you go in just to experience a, a convention, because honestly, the panels that happen at even the small shows are no different than the panels that happen at big shows. No, we have like, stuff in news what, that we're going to get to in a minute that actually broke from Heroes and Villains Nashville this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, you you go to these panels because you still the the only downside is that you just don't have. There's not a lot of as many large media groups like Screen Rant and Comic Book and and stuff like that. They don't go to a lot of these smaller cons. So. This news still breaks at these smaller cons. There's just not as many people reporting on them. Mm-hmm. That's why you don't hear about it. So it's still good to go and support, you know, the local cons around you and such. And uh, I mean, we're not knocking San Diego. San Diego is huge. It's become a juggernaut all on its own. It's just and and it's but it's not for everybody as far as attending a convention um, because of the size that it has grown to. Right, that shows about the media blitz of, hey, here's the new trailers of these big blockbusters coming soon, uh, more so than it is about being a convention anymore, really, for the people going. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, it, it's still going to be a, a fun fun experience if you get a chance to go. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's one of those, be prepared to, prepared to wait in lines. Yeah, <laughs> San Diego so, is one of those things that has become so huge that it actually ends up becoming a part of the contract of the actor when they sign on to do a show. If it's a show that most likely will be um, spotlighted at San Diego Comic-Con, it's usually in your contract that during your promotion you have to do San Diego Comic-Con. Prime example of that is Grant Gustin. Yeah, I was just about to say him, yeah. Grant does not do cons, although he has started branching out a little bit. I think he did one last year. Um, So he, he might start doing them a little bit more, but Grant because he he's a little socially anxious, um, does not do conventions. He doesn't do autograph signings and stuff like that. But he does San Diego because it's in his contract. He has to do it. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's how big San Diego Comic-Con has become, is that it becomes part. When you sign a contract to be a star on a show, guess what? It's in your contract somewhere. You got to do San Diego Comic-Con. And rightfully so. I mean, if you bring the cast of The Flash on and do a panel and Grant's not there, it loses a lot of its luster. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Well, you know what? Let's dive into stuff because uh, we're already almost, thir- almost 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, – and we got like a 40-minute panel to attach at the end of this. So, And we were going to be like 15 minutes in and out. Yep. You guys know us by now. That never happens. Never happens. All right. Let's, let's do the news. Well, actually, you know what? How about you kick off the news, though, because oh. there's something we have to report about. Yes. Um, this is something that broke yesterday. We were very excited about it, I, so much to the point that um, I got the news alert on my phone. I was actually on my way to um, a state park around me to go hiking and uh, saw this news report break on my phone while we were there, and I immediately pulled over and posted it because I knew not only were we very happy to hear about this, we knew our our, our – um, 
our listeners were going to be happy about this as well. Uh, the search for Donalogue's child has ended. Uh, Jade is back home after being missing for two weeks. There's there's not a lot of details about it as to where she was. I don't think you're going to see much, at least for quite a while. I mean, the family could choose to keep this very quiet, whatever the situation is, because it is, did cause a media blitz if she chose to, chose to let leave on her own. Yeah, they're not going to bring light to it. And if there is an actual police matter, they're not going to bring light to it yet until if somebody that was involved uh, maybe is in custody. So. Yeah, uh, but he revealed. But uh, Donna Logue revealed in a tweet she's been she had been missing since June 26, so about two weeks. Uh, but Donna Logue revealed in a tweet, "Thank you all for the love and support. We are good." Casey and I wish to thank the NYPD, FBI, at Missing Kids, and countless others. Uh, yeah, so um, people reached out to um, to Logue and his family for uh, comments, but they're kind of keeping it under wraps and they're keeping it to themselves. So, but yeah, it's it's really good news that she was found safe and she's back home because that would have been really tragic, um, for him to uh, for him to have lost his daughter. I don't know if a lot of people know this either, but his daughter's transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his daughter was born uh, a, a male and you know made the transgen and you know made the process of the transition into becoming a female. So, um, there were some a lot of um instigations that there, that could possibly be something behind it like it could be some kind of like there, it could be some kind of crime because of that uh she, like she could have been taken because of that and and such but um it's good to know that it, that wasn't the case and, and she's now home yeah uh like i said it is the most important news story of the week and it, uh, you know as days kept ticking by and i was not seeing anything i was starting to get very worried so i'm very very happy for uh for donald and his family and for jade and I'm really happy and we welcome her home. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to dive into the TV realm first. We'll work through the, and then work through up into the films. Uh, but the one of the big uh, stories that we didn't expect this week was uh, we have Lois Lane is jo- joining the cast of Supergirl. And to be specific about this, we mean Erica Durant from Smallville is going to be taking over for Laura Bet- uh, Beninata as uh, Alora in season three. So I guess uh, Laura was no longer available due to some commitment she's got going on in New York currently. Uh, but Andrew Kreisberg said, you know, they had to reach out to the person best suited to join this cast. So it was great to see another Smallville alum joining Supergirl. And uh, and, and they did say it is a reoccurring role throughout season three. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how this pans out. I've actually started watching more bits and pieces of Smallville recently. So. I love Smallville. I was a huge fan of that show when it was on, and I um, I continue to be a fan. It any show that goes ten years, it's going to have its weak seasons. And uh, you know, as a fan of that show, there were a number of people that gave up during those weak seasons. And I mean. If you're a fan, you don't do that. Like you, you stick through the weak seasons because you know they're going to happen. Uh, and then it, it paid off in the end because I loved season ten. I thought season ten was fantastic. Season ten saw Apocalypse and Clark becoming Superman. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was happy. Like the moment at the end in the season finale of in the series finale of Smallville when. You know, it pans to it goes to the future and or no, not even the future. It's like the final it's in the final moments of the episode where Clark finally gets the Superman uniform and becomes Superman. And you hear that that pivotal and iconic John Williams music like in the background when he's like revealing himself as Superman. Dude, I became a kid again. (laughs) So I, I stuck with Smallville the whole time. I loved it. Nice. 
Well, let's jump over to The Flash. Uh, and uh, they're welcoming aboard a new writer, and a writer I did not anticipate. But the cool thing is he's actually got ties to Supergirl, specifically the Supergirl TV show right now, uh, as far as uh, being a comic writer. Uh, and he's been writing The Adventures of Supergirl, which is the com- like uh, the companion um, comic that DC has released for the show. Uh, but that's none other than Sterling Gates, who's had such a history with writing DC comics. But he is now on board as one of the people helping as a show writer for season four of The Flash. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, that the writers said they decided they needed a little bit of help to move forward a little bit as far as uh, some of the things that they're trying to hash out for the season. But, uh, yeah, Sterling Gates is such a great, great choice. And I'm really excited to see. Uh, how he's going to fit into the overall picture of season four. So, uh, but speaking of season four, we doubt, now know the first uh, title episode for season four, which is the Flash Reborn. So, uh, very kind of nice tie to almost Jeff Johns's uh, relaunch with the return of Barry Allen in the comic universe years before, uh, which was the Flash Rebirth. Uh, so, I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out. But uh, they did say. First day of filming just happened uh, on July 4th. Uh, so, so 4th of July was their first day back uh, in front of cameras. So uh, so uh, be ready, guys. Only a couple more months. But I'm sure we'll get to see and hear a lot of cool things in San Diego. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, jumping over into Arrow, uh, we have a little bit about as far as where we're going to find Oliver come the start of Season 6. Uh, and this is coming right from Mark Guggenheim, and I'll read you his quote. So this season, we're going to give you a very different version of, of Oliver. Because of the journey he went through, uh, went on in Season 5, he got to a place where he was ready to follow everyone's advice and discard the past and move on with his life. Uh, the Oliver Queen that you'll meet uh, in 601, obviously Season 6, Episode 1. He's still the Oliver you know and sometimes love, but he has a different sense of himself. In Season 6, you're going to see, an, uh, see Oliver giving the people in his life the advice for a change instead of being the one to take it. He's been uh, through five years of being on uh, being the superior, and he went through five years of hell before he got to that. So that's a ten years of very heavy experience, and that uh, starts to, uh, to bring to bear. And that's something we're interested in seeing more of a like mentoring role Oliver is going to be taking as the various people in his life face their own challenges. So uh, they did say this is the big step uh, towards him being the real you know Green Arrow that everybody knows and loves from the comics. So it sounds like a much lighter Oliver uh, coming this season. So be ready, guys. If you are expecting nonstop brooding uh, Oliver Queen, <laughs> you may be disappointed. So, uh, But I really love the fact that they're going to be growing his character. And I love uh, they're, they're looking at that 10-year step. Uh, and it makes the most sense uh, coming out of how last season ended. I'm really excited to see this, this step forward. Yeah. Especially uh, playing Injustice and just being reminded you know, how much of a fun character uh, Green Arrow can be. And uh, I, I'm really excited to see that transition, especially when it gets the big ensemble pieces where he's working with Barry and all these other people. Seeing this very hopeful version of this character, I think, could be really such a, something really, really great. So, uh, jumping through though, too, we also now have the very first episode title for episode 601 as well, uh, and that is Fallout. So uh, that is the title. And we found out about that on uh, the first day of production. This was treated, uh, tweeted out by Mark Guggenheim, tagging uh, James Bamford and Stephen Amell in this. So maybe uh, Bam Bam is the director for the he, episode. He is the director of the episode. Yep, I've, yep. I've, I've actually, actually seen. Yeah, I saw a picture of the of page one. 
Yep, I'm looking at that right now too. And James Banford is directing. So yeah, which is awesome because we've talked to Banford. He's an awesome dude. So I'm I'm so excited to see him have made such a successful jump from just being the stunt stunt coordinator to now being a well known and and good director for the show. I'm I'm very happy. Nice. And uh, the last thing for uh, Arrow is uh, something else that just happened, and we just found out on screen rant, uh, screen rant not that long ago. <laughs> uh, and that is, and I'll just state this right here at uh, Heroes and Villains Fan Fest in Nashville. Stephen Amell said this on stage. I can report that Manu Bennett is back to being a part of the show, and I think we'll see him multiple times this year, which is awesome. It is. I, I and... love that Deathstroke character. I do, too, and I'm really, really happy, and I really want to see what the relationship between those two characters are, because I really like what we started seeing in them in those final episodes, because uh, that was uh, quite fantastic of watching him being there to kind of somewhat atone. So, yeah. All right, so let's head over into the DCEU, and uh, we got to start this off in the big bad way by talking a little bit about where the DCEU is now as far as financially. And uh, just this past week, Wonder Woman helped succeed pushing the DCEU past the $3 billion mark at the global box office uh, world, you know, worldwide, which is not a small step considering their uh, their lackluster offerings up until now. Um, but like I said, I'm really happy to see that they are continuing to bring in money that's showing that people want to see these characters. And it reminds Warner Brothers to not be lazy and do it fucking right. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> Like I said, we did already report that, like I said, uh, we'll also be seeing Justice League and Aquaman having a big presence at Hall H. But let's also discuss uh, a little bit more about Matt Reeves, because he's talking a little bit more as far as his thought process about Batman is concerned. And he did say currently he does want to kind of follow the book laid down by Chris Nolan, which is not a bad thing in my opinion. Uh, He says, you know, he's like everything he's got planned right now. He's like, you have ideas about an arc. Really, the important thing is just to start. You have to start with one. You know, you have to start with a story that begins something. It has to be something large, but still something that can be somewhat self-contained. Uh, he said that when uh, Mark Bomback and him, who's also the other screenwriter, began Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, we knew what our goals were, but we didn't see how we were going to get there. Uh, I would say that uh, more relates to the way I see a Batman story. It's kind of an ambition of, for a series of stories. Really, the most important thing is just to tell the vital first part of this arc. So it sounds like they are planning for a trilogy, and Matt Reeves sounds like he is on board to do this trilogy. Uh, but he did say, right now, let's see how people react to a NAR-driven detective story Batman. So, uh, Which i again, really <laughs> excited to see that. So, uh, And let's jump into a little bit more, oddly enough, tied to the Planet of the Apes series, but that's because of Rise of the, direct, uh, of the Planet of the Apes. Rupert Wyatt has apparently been... Uh, is the leading contender now to take on the Green Lantern Corps film. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we may see this happen at San Diego Comic-Con where this announcement hits. Uh, I would not be surprised about this at all, because especially with Matt Reeves now in the mix, uh, I can see, because him and Rupert Wyatt did work together quite a bit before, uh, I think, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes uh, started uh, moving forward. Uh, they, they talked quite a bit because uh, Rupert Wyatt's the one that launched this whole thing. Um, so... I'm very, very curious to see uh, this play out because I'm sure if I have to put money on it, I think in two weeks we're going to hear this actually come to come to fruition. So yeah, uh, and like I said, I'll still put money on it too. I think we're also going to find out that uh, Lord and Miller are going to take over Flash. So 
Uh, so, uh, it's another little tiny piece of casting here, uh, but not really actually something little. Uh, this is something that a couple of people have been anticipating and guessing for some time, and we've even seen this actress talk about this in the past, and we've reported on it, but that's Catherine Winnick. Uh, apparently, she is teasing her involvement in the DCEU after all. Uh, a lot of people expected that the Vikings actress was potentially going to be tapped for Black Canary. Or the DCEU. That sounds like this is indeed potentially the case. So, because uh, DCEU, uh, uh, the Twitter uh, handle, uh, or sorry, the DCE Universe, uh, had a little something that says, Catherine Winnick is working on a secret project that will be announced at San Diego Comic-Con, and everybody's guessing, pure and simple, uh, Black Canary is imminent, folks. Does, this, <clears throat> does the announcement of a Black Canary also mean that we are going to see an Oliver Queen? My guess is we will eventually get there too. Okay. So, who do you think, think would who do you think would make a good Oliver Queen for the DCU? It's tough because we've seen David we've Amell. Seen, yeah, <laughs> we've seen Amell play it so well lately that uh, it's well, hard I, to imagine anybody other than him playing that part now. Well, I do think honestly, if uh, we we dive into an Oliver Queen in DCEU, I think we're going to get a very comic accurate, more wise cracking, over the top liberal. Handlebar uh, mustache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be Jeremy Renner. <laughs> he plays Hawkeye and Arrow. Well, let's see who else is good with a bow. Orlando Bloom. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but now I'm very curious to see what it's going to be. I would not be surprised if it's relatively unknown um, if they they were to go that route. But I think Adam Sandler. Be... <laughs> that would suck. Andy Samberg. Andy... There you go. No, I'd stop watching. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I, I would not be surprised to see uh, this this happen. We have been hearing, and we even reported last week, to expect some big bombshells as far as DCEU stuff is concerned with the uh, Hall H in a couple of weeks. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is part of that. So, uh, Speaking of uh, other casting things, though, that are also happening, this is nailed towards the streaming service. Uh, nothing official here, but uh, Nickelode- previous Nickelodeon star Drake Bell from Drake and Josh uh, – Back on June 26th, a good friend of mine who's been on the show, TJ, uh, showed this to me a couple weeks ago. I forgot to bring it up last week. But he had two unique, interesting tweets. One of them is just a sh- – it's three images on his Twitter. One of them is Dick Van Dyke, then a swatch of the color gray, and then a picture of his son. And when you stare at it for a second, you're like, huh, oh, shit, Dick Grayson. Uh, and then right after that is a picture of a suit of armor and a plate of chicken wings, Nightwing. <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised also at San Diego Comic-Con if we're going to find out that Drake Bell has been uh, has landed the role of Dick Grayson for the upcoming Titans uh, live-action series, which is going to apparently start filming in August. So uh, I think we'll definitely see that soon. Uh, but looking at pictures of him, because I, you know, I have very much aged out of watching things like Drake and Josh uh, because I'm in my mid-30s, so... Uh, looking at pictures of him and not really being too familiar with him, Mandy's got the look. I will say that. He definitely has the look. And our last story for the week is something that just makes me kind of smile and laugh because last week I brought this up that, uh, you know, when we talked about Red Sun, um, potentially having an animated or not an animated film, but as far as seeing a live action representation, I said, you know what? I'd happily see this animated. And if we saw want to see any other films, I said Gotham by Gaslight. Well, my wishes have been granted. Uh, Gotham by Gaslight has now been officially announced as the next animated film for DC Animated and Warner Brothers Animation Studio. So, 
Very excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with Gotham by Gaslight, so that's... It is, it is kind of a steampunky retelling of the characters in Gotham, so Batgirl, Bruce Wayne. It is such a fun, amazing story, which is actually going to be my recommendation for, for the week. Uh, either head over to Comixology, go to your local you know bookstore, comic shop, anything you can. Pick up a copy of that because that is such a fun read. It's um, such a fun what single single shot graphic novel. Yeah, I'm going to share that recommendation with you this week too because uh, I actually plan on doing it. I, I want to check it out because uh, it it sounds really cool. Yeah, I, and like I said, very iconic takes on uh, the costuming too that a lot of people love. Uh, that Gotham by Gaslight suit is uh, quite fantastic. So. Cool. Yeah, and I just found it on uh, Comicsology, mm-hmm. so I will probably be picking that up. Nice. So. Uh, cool. So before we get out of here, obviously, we're going to follow this up uh, and tack on at the end my panel with uh, David Ramsey from Harrisburg Comic-Con back in May. Uh, this was one of my favorite panels that I did um, the entire uh, week. I said, you know, I mentioned I talked about this last week and I kind of geeked out and humbled out a little bit last week talking about it, but I'll try not to do that this week. Um David is just so laid back and easy to talk to and was so much fun to be on stage with. Uh, I mentioned, you know, I do a lot of prep work when I go into panels and uh, David's one of those guys you just don't have to. Um, You feed off of each other. He feeds off of you as a panel moderator and you feed off of him as a guest, Um, which just goes to show you that um, you need a good panel moderator when it comes to certain people. Um, cause if you sit with David, if you sat there and you read off a card, eh, you'd get through the panel, but somebody who can just bounce off a of David and work well with him, um, really puts on a good panel. And I felt at a lot of compliments after this one saying how much fun this panel was and, uh, how great, um, the, the panel was. So, uh, you guys are going to get to hear it now yourself. If you didn't already check out the video online, um, but I'm I'm really excited to put this one at the end of the podcast for you guys to hear. I think it runs about 40 minutes, um, so a good chunk of time. But it's it, you'll be through it before you know it because of just everything that happens through it. We talk about uh, I think one of the character one of the questions that I brought up in particular. I won't give you the answer. I want you to hear it. Uh, is if uh, David Ramsey, if if John Diggle were happened to oh John, that's right. David brought up where's John's doppelganger. Since everybody else has gotten one except for John, uh, we brought up the question as to who would John's doppelganger be, and we came up with a number of different people it could possibly be, and a lot, of, a lot of them were a lot of fun. <laughs> so, nice. uh, uh, actually, I was very impressed with one of mine. I, I we brought up the whole um, John Smith from Green Lantern Corps because that's John Stewart. A, John Stewart because that's been a rumor for a while. Uh, we brought that one up, but we brought up a number of other ones we thought it could possibly be too. Very cool. uh, But yeah, we'll put that on following in the next couple minutes after that. So make sure you stick around after our cheap plugs and our goodbyes to listen to that panel with David Ramsey. Yeah. Cheap plugs. (laughs) So we can get out of here because I think we're at about uh, 44 minutes. All right. So much for 15. Yep. So this would be a good hour and a half podcast. That's really good. Yeah. We're, we're We're keeping it good for for the listeners. (laughs) <laughs> so this is this is uh, our news and rantings yes <laughs> so yes. uh next week 
uh, our Flash Annual, Flash Annual yeah. Volume Three. I am really excited to talk about this. One. I am too, I'm... and I'm wondering if if I want to do it like we did Supergirl last week and not watch any of them, or if I really do want to go back and rewatch. And the funny thing is, is unlike Legends and Supergirl, where I really I had to really think about some of like my favorite and least favorite characters. Uh, my my favorite character is already nailed. There's nothing that's going to change it. Um, I think my favorite episode is already nailed. There's nothing that's going to change that. Um, I think I just could go back and look a little bit for some of my leasts because that's going to be tough. Yeah, I think all I'm going to do is I'm going to skim over the wiki again um, because, you know what, I, one thing I realized you know, when we were doing Supergirl and Legends, it's very telling about the score you give this season when you just have to skim real quick and like, and all of it comes back. But when you're sitting there staring at it and you're like, I don't remember any of what happened in this episode, this one, this one, this one. Flash, I can remember without even out looking right now, almost episode one to finish. Yeah. Um, and that's very telling, I think, towards the score I'm going to give this season. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to, to gauge it as well. You know what? Uh, let's give a little quick tease. So out of uh, seasons one through three, where do you have a ranking? Um. Oh, seasons one through three. Oh man, that's tough too. Because uh, season one is the is the OG. So, oh, yeah. um, I mean, and that was fantastic. Um, when I put them in this order, I just want to preface this by saying when I put the put the, put them in this order, it's very close. Like you could reciprocate any of them and switch any of them around, and I'd be just as happy. But I probably have to go from three to one, uh, in order from least to worst. Or from best to worst. Um, oh, man. I think I'd probably go 3-1-2. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm either – I'm really torn between is it going to be 1-3-2 or 3-1-2. So yeah. uh, that, that gives you guys an idea on where this is going to hit. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so don't have to say much about that. So especially if you listen to our last annual for uh, Flash for uh, Season 2. So. No, but I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, next yeah. week, our Flash Annual Volume 3. Uh, these next two annuals, man, are going to be intense. Yeah, yeah. Gonna... And then, and then, like I said, I got to uh, get through about nine episodes of Gotham, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get the back half of Gotham. I, um, I, was also, I, know... I was also thinking, too, if we really want to fill in another week, because I've been thinking about this since we started doing the Legends of Tomorrow one. Um, I would love to do an Invasion Annual. We could. We could talk about it. Because I really want to go back and rewatch Invasion. We'll have some time in September. So True. Yeah. So yeah, maybe by the if we end talk of... about if we talk about it here, we're gonna be on here for another twenty minutes. Yeah. So. <laughs> so maybe by maybe by the end of the summer we're gonna do an invasion annual too. We'll do a crossover annual because yeah. that's what we'll call it. We'll we'll call it the crossover annual because we're gonna get a crossover every year. So Yeah. Um, uh, so and then just to remind you guys, like I said, Flash Annual is next week. The week after that, we'll be talking San Diego Comic Con. The week after that, we'll be talking Arrow. Then I think the week after that, we'll get Shad on here, and we're well, going to talk about the Arkham stuff, right? Well, I think that weekend after that, I think Shad is unavailable. Okay, um, he did message us and say there is a week in in August that he cannot do, and I think it is that week of the the thir- the twelfth and the thirteenth. Okay, well uh, maybe we'll weekend. shuffle around. We'll do our our next Silver Age, or maybe we'll even go back into a Golden Age. We'll, yeah, wait see. yeah, we'll do something. So. Um, yeah, uh, as you heard in the beginning of this podcast as well, uh, we are now working with Board uh, Board Game Bento, uh, thanks to Rob who who organized that. So give that uh, a check out, uh, and if you do play some tabletop games and board games, which I know Shad is a big gamer because we've been seeing a lot of posts on his page of some games he's been playing. 
Um, but I'm also I'm I'm in talks with another company right now to possibly get some cool stuff out of them. Uh, I'm not going to reveal who it is yet because I want to make sure this this goes through. But if it does, uh, Board Game Bento gives us a little bit of a discount to to sign up with their club. But this company might actually send us some product to give away. Nice. Uh, I'll so, tell you about it when we're done recording. Cool. And yeah, just to give you guys a heads up on Board Game Bento, us working with them is reliant on you guys. As far as if you if it's something that you're interested in. And they see some people actually using that code and subscription stuff to save. I think it's like a $10, $10 off. That is what will bring us giveaways to give away to you guys. So if it's something you are interested in, again, uh, it's I think uh, the first month subscription I think is like forty nine ninety nine. It gives you $10 off of that. So you can do a one-month one for 40 bucks, which is not bad because you're getting $80, $80 worth of board games minimum. Yeah. And especially if you sign up right now, that's for the superhero one. I, I want to say my guess is you're going to see the – DC deck building game, which is fantastic, and probably something like DC Dice Masters or maybe like uh, Batman Love Letter, stuff like that. Uh, some really, really fun games. Um, so it's a good, definitely way to save save some save some cash. So uh, if, if you like it, I'm going to probably sign up for it myself uh, before that one closes out. I think I am too. So I just want to make sure uh, to uh, absolutely get in on that before that one closes out. But uh, yeah, definitely recommend using that, and that'll keep us moving with them to move forward. But we're going to look at a couple other awesome ones too. So, and not only that too, but we are still working on a Patreon account for uh, Next Level as a whole, which means not only will you get to do some really cool stuff uh, and get some behind the scenes stuff of DC Prime Time if you're a fan of this podcast, but uh, many of the other podcasts on the network as well. Uh, we have ten other ten other podcasts that are on all part of the network some of which you may not know about. Uh, so we encourage you, this is going into our cheap plugs, uh, go to nextlevelradioonline.com and just click on the Shows tab and you'll see all the different shows. Uh, you're a DC fan, so you listen to this one, which is great and we highly appreciate that. But there might be some other stuff that you, you might find in there too. If you're into health and fitness, we have a podcast about that. Uh, fantasy football, there's a podcast about that. Uh, our interview, the Showcast Spotlight, uh, which is our interview panel, our interview uh, podcast in which we've interviewed a, a number over, I think, almost 200 celebrities at this point and people in the entertainment industry, uh, including people like James Banford, David Ramsey, Stephen Amell, uh, Paul Blackthorne, Katie Cassidy, um, Katrina Law, Echo Ka- Cullen, Katrina Law, Michael Rowe. Like, we've interviewed a ton of people from these shows, and you can find all of them on, uh, on the the showcast spotlight, so we encourage you to go to nextlevelradioonline.com. Look at the nev- look at the the podcast network as a whole, because there might be some other stuff you'll find on there that you you might like. And once this Patreon hits, um, uh, it'll be network wide, so there'll be a lot of cool stuff that you'll be able to uh, to be a part of, and we'll encourage you to sign up and and be a part of the family. Yeah. Uh, uh, so final yeah. cheap plugs. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, the only other one I have is uh, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime, the Facebook page uh, for uh, for us. Yeah, and for me, you can always also find me at uh, nextlevelradioonline.com through Captain Crewcast Pods. The new episode is up. We do talk about Wonder Woman quite a bit, and it actually delves us into uh, talking very heavily about the best female characters in sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture. And then the some of the shittiest ones that exist out there, too, <laughs> and how Hollywood should not do those anymore. Um, but it's more or less us breaking down uh, where we think Hollywood is currently standing and the mistakes they're making and uh, watching, hopefully watching them writing their ship. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a really fun discussion. And it was the first time we've had every female member of that show all on at once. So it was a nice even split. It was um, 
Uh, if you've listened to the show with my wife, Erin uh, and Jada joining us, and that was also uh, TJ, who you've heard on the show numerous times, and uh, our friend Paul. So, yeah, it was a really, really fun episode to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with that being said, as always, we encourage you, or we thank you for being a part of the community, and we thank you for listening, thank you for posting on the Facebook page, uh, messaging us, and letting us know your opinions. We encourage you to keep doing that, and of course, sharing the page to everybody. Uh, I say it every week, and it's still true this week, uh, we see more and more people interacting every week now, which is awesome. Uh, we're in a great growth period right now, we'd love to grow it out as much as possible, because the more we grow, the more we can bring you. Uh, and, uh, of course, thank you, uh, once again to, we go back and forth. It's every other week this week. Uh, but thank you to George Shaw for providing mm-hmm. us the music for both the intro and the exit to the podcast. Uh, and you can check his, uh, his stuff out at georgeshawmusic.com. Cool. Uh, stay tuned, uh, as we bring you audio from my panel with David Ramsey at Harrisburg Comic Con. Uh, and until our flash annual next week, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. <laughs> Pretty rowdy crowd. So, guys, what's happening? How many Arrow fans we got? How many Flash fans we got? Whatever. You don't even ask about Legends. And I'm not going to. No, Legends is great. I love Legends. Legends, Supergirl, awesome. Yeah. Supergirl coming to CW is great, right? Got all the crossover stuff. I think so. I think we'll be doing another crossover next year. I would hope so. You know, if it was up to like the powers that be, we'll be doing like four crossovers a year because they really like them, big viewership. And um, I, you know, I hope that our next crossover, I want it to be a little harder. You know, just yeah. I want to see. You know, I mean, I know the kids here, but I want to see a little more grit. I mean, aliens are nice. <laughs> they were cute. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just want to see a little more. Ugh. Well, Arrow certainly has its share of grit. Yeah, Arrow does. But you want to see it expand over the course of yeah, the yeah. And, and you know, I get it. I get it. I mean, Arrow is what it is. Arrow's a little more grounded, as grounded as you can be with a superhero that fights crime with a bow and arrow. Great. Um, but it's you know still a little more gritty, a little more street. Um, which I've always liked about it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more grit in the, in the crossover. Well, but, I, know, I, I know even now we have the most recent news, which I know you've tweeted about and posted about, too. Black Lightning just got picked up. Black Lightning, yes. Yes, I'm happy to hear about Black Lightning. Yeah. Um, I, I think we've been told that at least for the first season, which is what we're hoping, it's not going to exist in the same universe. Yeah. But, but we were told that about Supergirl, too, and that... Yeah, we're also told many, many years ago that you would never hear about two specific cities in our universe, which you have yeah. now. So, I mean, things change, right? Um, but I don't, I don't know what the benefit will be. You know, I, those guys, this is way above my pay grade. They're much smarter than I am. But um, I, I'm wondering why not part of the universe right off, you know? Because it just, I, I think part of the strength is having these shows that we all know each other. We can all cross over yeah. in a moment. There was, there was... <laughs> I don't remember what episode it was, but there was a moment where Oliver called some lieutenant. You guys will probably tell me what episode it was because I don't remember. Some lieutenant or captain in the in the at some precinct, and he was like, "Listen, I am who I say I am. Believe me, 
and he was like, how do I know it's really you? And he like pressed a button and then Flash came and said, he's legit. You know what I mean? I do remember that. So funny, so good. And it's just like those types of moments are so funny and good to me. So hopefully Black Lightning can be part of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be a shortened season. I think it's yeah. going to be a mid-season show from what I understand. I, I, I can understand setting, using the first season to kind of separate itself and let it establish itself. Yeah. But I, I would hope that at least season two, uh, we've seen so far anything can happen with the multiverse. That's so right. throw it on another Earth and let him come over. Anything can happen except where Diggle can't have a doppelganger. Who in this Diggle's doppelganger? Yeah. I don't know. First of all, was Diggle hatched? Does he have parents? I mean, these are the things I wonder about. He's got a brother. Like, you've seen parents from everyone except Diggle. It's like, how did Diggle come to be? I don't know. I know, alien. Um, maybe he was actually. You know some we, we I, I pitched along with James Bamford, who uh, is a wonderful director on our show, and stunt coordinator, and uh, who'll be doing more work on the show next year. He's just brilliant. We pitched Carl Weathers for Diggle's Fun. That would be an awesome, wouldn't it be great? That'd be great. I don't know if it'll work. I mean, Carl's doing what he's doing now. He has a huge resurgence in his career. Um, but it'd be nice to get Carl Weathers. As, as who would you Apollo Creed as Diggle's father? <laughs> <laughs> who would you who would you cast as your mother if you could do that? Um, I don't know, Linda Carter. <laughs> um, I, I'm in love with Linda Carter, my God. Um, you guys are gonna totally print that now. I know. Linda Carter. Um, speaking of Linda Carter, I didn't think anyone would be able to touch Wonder Woman, but God, gal, the, the movie. I'm 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 hoping it's good. Really That's the one I'm looking forward to seeing. Like it's like gal, like she. Burns the screen, man. I mean, as soon as you, I mean, in Batman versus Superman, he just like she was the movie for me. I mean, the movie was great. The movie was great. Don't get me wrong. It's just every time she came on the screen, it was just like wow. So I'm really looking forward to Wonder Woman. But anyway, um, and Linda Carter was great. I don't know how I got started on all this. I asked you. I asked you. You would cast as your mom, and you're holding up the poster. Up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know who would play him. I have to really think about that. But we're. I think there's some discussion about Carl Carl Weather as. Uh, as finally apparent for John Diggle. That would be and I, I don't, I, I'm curious, as you guys write it, who would be Diggle's doppelganger on Earth 25 or whatever? Yeah. That's something I've never pondered. I never thought about it. Well, now you have something to think I about. I know, now Carry I have on. to think about that. I'll, I will have some kind of an answer for you by the end of this panel. And that line, now don't you have something to, to think that, about, either. Carry On? All you Trekkies, tell me what movie that's from. What Star Trek? I'm such a geek. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. I think one of the things that I, I know I, I, I've been I've had the opportunity to be on stage with you before. I, I was I moderated a panel with you and Katie Cassidy, Will Holland in Atlanta, and I was looking forward to this more one on one. But I know the one thing the timing sucks because we have we haven't even seen the finale yet, so we can't talk about it. Yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> what can you tease? about it without well, giving anything away because i'd like to be surprised so listen we, there was a big discussion about the finale and the fact that we'll go to the island and do some big things on the island and uh steven actually um really went to bat for manu Bennett really being back on the show that's that stroke yeah yeah because you can't really touch the island in the way we do without there being some real presence of manu and manu you know, for, for me, personally, our second season was our strongest. 
And um, that had a lot to do with Mike. And, um, and I just think he's just brilliant as Destro. And, so, and he does an incredible job. He does an incredible, I mean, he comes, he just jumps right back into it. Even the trailer, when you see the trailer and he, you know, he's, in, he's behind the, the bars, it's just like chills, just like, you know, big kids. And it's like, oh yeah, he's back, he's back. You know. So it's, it's, it was great to have him back. And, um, and that was in no small part, you know, thanks to Steven for really making that happen. Yeah, you mentioned the trailer to the finale. I think I've watched the trailer to the finale probably at least five times. Because yeah. like you said, I, I get chills. And I think the finale, you, I agree with you that season two was one of the strongest, but this fifth season... Yeah, I think been, five is right up there. It's, it's yeah. been one of the yeah. best seasons we've seen as far, too. Because it's coming around full circle to that whole five-year journey that yeah. we've been seeing. And it's, I'm going to be curious, if this, you know, that's, I think that was a, that's another... I think the flashbacks took up seven or eight minutes of uh, story time in terms of, um, of storytelling on the show. So I'm curious to see what they're going to fill that with next year. You know, because the flashbacks are over. I don't, were you guys really attached to the flashbacks? Did you like them? Yeah. It's a mixed crowd. Yeah, I've heard mixed about, about the flashbacks too. So most people are probably glad to see it leave. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see where they go with the story. I wouldn't mind seeing flashbacks of the past of some of the other characters, because there's still, there's still more about Renee that we need to learn. Right, right. And I think Renee has been one of my favorite characters, you know, yeah. he's come so far on this, but I, wouldn't, I would love to see flashbacks to some other characters before this five-year journey. You mentioned bringing in Carl Weathers as your father. Yeah. Having some Diggle flashbacks would be great. Yes, yeah, yeah, glad to see, we'll be happy to see that. I'll be happy to see, you know, just, I really want, and we, we touched on it a little bit, but it, I don't know, I, I, think, I think that the whole, Diggle, uh, Lila, she's the new Amanda Waller suicide squad. I, I just think that's just untapped, you know what I mean? And the fact that Argus, you know, we have access to that somewhat. Um, and she's such and a, a kind of a, an integral or immediate part of, 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 the, uh, of the core because she's Diggle's wife. I just think that that's something we should really explore in terms of, you talk about backstory, just in terms of what's happening with that whole Suicide Squad thing. I mean, obviously, we had to make some changes. You know, like killing Amanda Waller. <laughs> and Deadshot. Um, but, I know, I know. But, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's still other characters and, you know, Killer Shark and some other people. So it'll, it'll be nice to see what that, how that stuff plays out. I know we already talked a little bit about the crossovers, and as you said, there would be you know four or five crossovers throughout the season. One of my favorite. Oh, I, well, they would have. I'm not. I'm not saying. That. Oh, I'm not. Yeah. 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 They would. If it was up to the executives, they would have more crossovers for sure. One of my favorite aspects though, of the crossovers, and I know there's some other fans that feel the same way, and I'm wondering what your how you feel about this too. One of my absolute favorite things about the crossovers are seeing Diggle's reactions to metahumans. Yeah. They're yeah, hysterical. I look forward to them every time. When we knew we were getting that four-part crossover, I couldn't wait to see his reaction to Supergirl. Yeah. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah, you know something? I, I, I wish we could have done a little bit more with his reaction to Supergirl. I mean, seeing... For Diggle's, you know, seeing a woman fly across the horizon in a skirt. I just, I really wanted to kind of explore that a little more. Um, really didn't get a chance to do it as much as I wanted to. But, you know, any, anytime Diggle gets to kind of get out of his regular element, he's a, he's a nuts and bolts guy, kind of, you know, kind of, kind of serious. But back into that season one Diggle where he kind of has those snide little 
comedic remarks that, I, that he really gets to explore on The Flash in particular. The Flash is just funnier in general. Okay, I mean, it's just brighter and funny and cute. And, um, and I, no, I love it. I love it. So it's anytime, anytime Diggle gets to go over there, then it's always fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, Diggle, if you look at the aspect of season one to now, he's definitely a lot more of a hardened character. I mean, yeah. between everything that happened with his brother. and uh, So I can understand why that's gotten a little bit taken away, but uh, that's one of the reasons why I love looking forward to those moments. Yeah. Is when that happens. Because I think you said with Supergirl, if I remember correctly, and anybody correct me if I'm wrong, I think it came down to two words. You were just, I'm convinced. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that was exactly. it. Exactly. It was, it was, that was it. I mean, we talked for a long time about what we're going to do, and, and we... I don't know if I really, really got to sink my teeth into a real reaction like I did The Flash. And The Flash, the react, Diggle's reaction to The Flash has been an ongoing storyline. Yeah, he still never believes it. Every time he's never believes it. it. My, uh, my question for this, though, about this leading into this is, and it's more of a serious note, is character-wise, do you think John appreciates the metahumans, or do you think he kind of feels like they're unnecessary? Well, you know, I, I was always kind of curious about um, John's position with metahumans because he, he, he I mean ultimately I, I think he, he just it's just out of his wheelhouse right but you know I, I talked to producers from the beginning it was like you know that'd be interesting if his doppelganger is a metahuman you know um, because of just how he feels personally about metahumans tweet that <laughs> um, so it, it'd, be, it'd be interesting I don't know I but you know, we'll see. I, I, I think just in terms of character development, I think the reason why he's so kind of, he sees it as so otherworldly is just because it's out of his wheelhouse. I mean, he's a military guy. Diggle is, the, you know, he's the most kind of, I think, accessible dude, you know, of, of the core. Um, Felicity's, you know, one of the, I've said this before, one of the top three smartest people on the planet. Errol, one of the top two fighters on the planet. And, um, you know, you can go down the line. Diggle, I think, is just a you know, guy from the, from the neighborhood that joined the military, went to personal service, and um, decided to, you know, help his community, you know, and met this guy Oliver along the way. So I think he's really kind of a no normal, normal guy. So when he sees things like metahumans, it's just kind of out of his wheelhouse, just takes him completely out. But it'd be interesting to have a doppelganger that is that thing that makes him, that is, the earth makes the earth one diggle go wow like that's my doppelganger i i think i just figured it out too yeah i think i've seen pictures of this tweeted out so it's not necessarily my idea but and not necessarily a metahuman but what if diggle's doppelganger was a member of the green lantern Corps? yeah yeah that would be great wouldn't it well you know they 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 obviously when someone like john diggle shows up and his name is john and he's has a military background season one and season two that's all they talked about just in terms of the fandom is this is this John Stewart? And um, and there was a certain amount of push, you know. Basically, every single character that you see in our universe in any DC property, there is, you know, there's some check marks that go through this executive chain, and um, it's a long. I don't know how long it is, but there's it has to go through some people's eyesight on some people's desk before it gets approved. So the fans really kind of wanted John Stewart, and it kind of got debunked by the producers at some point that as much as they would love for that to happen, that's not going to happen, and that was really a higher-up decision at DC. 
I think they they really have something now they're working on with cinematically a John Stewart Hal Jordan. I think there's rumors, yeah. Rumored to be the lethal weapon in space. <laughs> I I can dig that. No pun intended on the dig. Uh, that was nice. Um, so yeah. So anyways, but you know, it's it's it's. I was upset a little. I was a little disappointed. I wasn't upset, but a little disappointed to hear that. Oh, John Diggle isn't John Diggle Stewart or John Stewart Diggle, whatever. But you know, I get to create a character that never existed before, and who um, well, I think they've actually added to the comic. Added to the comic book, and which has been great, man. So I you know Spartan is a, is a is a character that has come out of the television show and now in the DC comic books, and it's it's great to be an original character. You mentioned Spartan too, and I know recently we've seen a lot of the upgrades thanks to Cisco from The Flash and Spartan's yeah. new helmet. Do you hope that's where the costume ends, or would you like to see? Yeah, I want to see. Costume? Well, you know, I want to see some some evolve, and you will see some evolve in terms of what the what Cisco and Star Labs really did with the helmet. You know, the fact that it can um, it has laser beams and can see through walls. I'm kidding. I don't know what it can do, um, but we're going to kind of explore some of that in season six and just kind of see exactly what that helmet can do. Okay. Um, I have one thing I want to... I'm going to give the audience a chance to ask them questions, too, which I'm sure they have some Arrow questions. I want to break away from Arrow for just one second. Okay. Um, I, I'm one of those people that I have a lot of guilty pleasure movies that I like to go back to from time to time, and I really enjoy it when I go back to a movie and I recognize an actor from somewhere that I know them otherwise that I didn't recognize at, at the time. And over the past year, actually since Atlanta, I've recognized you in two of my favorite Guilty Pleasure movies. You were in Con Air. Is that a shameful shake of the No, head? Con Air was great. It was just, I think I had a bag over my head for most of the movie, but thank you for recognizing <laughs> Oh, there we go. Uh, but the other one is uh, uh, working with Matthew Perry in Three to Tango. Three to Tango, oh my goodness, you went way back. I went way back. And, but like I actually really enjoyed that movie. Eight or something. Um, yeah, those were fun. I did, a, I did a slew of those. I did that and Con Air, very Brady sequel. <laughs> oh my God. The rent, man. You gotta pay the rent. And, um, but they were fun. I mean, I got to learn a lot. I got to, there was another great little movie called Pay It Forward that I got to do around that time. And it was fun. But you know, and Nutty Professor, I got to do that. But it, it, it was fun because, you know, there were small little bit roles and I got to work with like, you know, Eddie Murphy, Helen, Helen Hunt, Helen Hunt, yeah, right, and Kevin Spacey, and got to work with all these Oliver Perry, got to work with all these great people. Another show called Huff that I did. So it's just, it was just you know really really fun small things. I did like three or four episodes here, six episodes there, and it was just something just kind of building my career. Kind of, I I became for a while a journeyman actor. Did Dexter for a while, then Blue Bloods, and just kind of jumped around, jumped around, jumped around, and then um, oddly enough, it was Blue Bloods that uh, Greg Berlanti saw me in and was like, um, you know, he, I didn't talk to him immediately, I talked to Andrew Kreisberg, he said, well, Greg saw you in this show and wanted to meet you, wanted to know if you wanted to do this, this, um, this show called Arrow, it's about the Green Arrow comic book, do you know Green Arrow? I said, yes. He said, well, listen, you won't have anything to do in the pilot, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> but you become his, bright, his right-hand guy and you become very integral and, and do you like it? I said, yeah, I love it. And I mean, but no one knew, man. No one had any idea it was gonna blow up like this. I mean, no idea. I mean, the things that have come out of, of Arrow has just been fantastic. I mean, it's called the Arrowverse now for right. a reason. I mean, everything has stemmed off of Arrow. The Flash, right. 
Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl not necessarily off of Arrow, but it's still a Berlanti project, and right. they've incorporated it. And now I think people still consider it part of the Arrowverse. Yeah, I don't think it's too far to say that most of these shows have stemmed from the success of Arrow. I mean, obviously, Supergirl didn't come directly out of Arrow, and neither did Black Lightning, but all of this stuff really has happened, I think, from the success because of Arrow. Because of the success Without of Arrow. Yeah, Without exactly. So, uh, I'm going to open it up to the audience. If anybody has any questions, just raise your hand up, and I'll either myself or David will choose somebody from the audience. You'll have to speak up a little bit. Brad. No, you go ahead. I'll let you choose. Oh, all right, no, no, no. oh do you have a wireless? Okay. We have a wireless. <laughs> well, it's not that big of a room. You guys project. Need more. We'll, we'll start right here in the front. Grayson, right? Yeah. Um, the other day, it's not on Arrow, but it was. it's in Argus when Flash and Captain Cold from mm -hmm. the past actually go and break into Argus. Yep. And we saw Cheetah as one of the Argus prisoners. Yeah. Yeah. Is, will Cheetah have anything to do with Season 6? That's a great question. Again, with getting into kind of more of the um, Argus prisoners is what I would really like to do because Diggle's wife is in charge of that facility, right? So it's, just, it's, it's, it's a gold mine for, um, you know, do you want some really hot new characters? It's, it's like having, it's, it's like Amanda Waller being in charge of Arkham or something, you know, just start letting prisoners out or breaking out. And so I, I think that's, that's an avenue we haven't explored. I think some of that we've touched on already with the division between Lila and Diggle. We kind of touched on that in one of the previous, most re, one of the most recent episodes in the latter part of season five. We're going to get into some of that in season six. And I think that um, though it may not be the Suicide Squad, you'll see some characters coming out of Argus um, via some of the stuff that happens with Amanda, with uh, the new Amanda, Lila. Yeah, so you'll see some of that. I don't know if it'll be Cheetah, but certainly we'll play around with some of that. We've already discussed how that will, will be integrated into the new season. I don't know how exactly yet, but it will be. Do they already have a good idea as to where they're going to progress into the sixth season? Um, it's just been suggestions. Me and Steven kind of came up with some stuff in terms of, you know, what happens between he and Diggle and they get married, and Felicity gets jealous. <laughs> it's kind of great. And, um, but besides that, that's the only thing we came up with. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know I saw your hand up too, Brittany. Um, so I was curious yeah. since a lot of characters have like their own signature weapon. Like obviously, Oliver Queen has his bow, and Curtis has his sea spheres. Spartan only has like guns usually. Right. Would you want like a specific signature weapon for Spartan? Like, other than a gun? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, again, I think Diggle's gun is very s specific. And um, we've only seen some of the stuff it can do. We've only seen some of the things the helmet can do. But again, we have eight, seven or eight minutes now left of the show that's no longer flashbacks. So I think, and again, we've talked about some of this, I think you will see some of the things that, that maybe you're wondering about, like, and I answered this at another con, like the specifics of the ammunition that Diggle's using, that's non-lethal. I mean, Diggle has been the biggest proponent next to Felicity of Arrow of Oliver not killing. Yeah. But Diggle shoots somebody every week. <laughs> so it's like, you know, what in the world is he using? You know, so, I mean, we can get more specific about these things. So in terms of um, a, a signature weapon, I think he has it. I just think we haven't really explored that, that specific gun yet. And I, we've seen some of it 
but we haven't really explored all of that, and the helmet. So I, I think we'll get, be getting into more of that uh, with the extra time we have on the show next season. Okay. Uh, we'll go back, uh, actually again, that works. Okay. Hey, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Awesome. Um, is there any, like, DC character that hasn't been used yet that you want to see used on Arrow? Yeah, Bruce Wayne. I mean, I say this every single time. I mean, I, I want to see Bruce Wayne. I want to see the two billionaires have a fight. I don't want to see Batman and Oliver fight. I want to see Bruce Wayne and Oliver Queen fight it out. You know what I mean? I want Ben Affleck to come to the show as Bruce Wayne and fight with Stephen Amell. That's what I want. I mean, well, how, I mean, how hard can that be? You know what I mean? But like, what, if, what if they can only get no, Clooney? No, I want Ben Affleck. Okay, okay, okay. I was going to say, what if they can only get Clooney? Oh, God. I know, sorry. <laughs> I had to do it. I mean, I thought you, 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 that was your wad. You just blew it on that. I know, I had to. Val Kilmer, actually, I liked. I thought he was a really good. I went right to the worst one. I thought Clooney was okay. There was a, it was, I love Joe Schumacher, but I just thought he was, you know. Um, no, I, re I really want to see Bruce Wayne and, and Oliver Queen. I say that every single time I get that question. I think that's just, people are just waiting to see that. And um, I mean, I, I think you have to, after you do that, you have to go to Batman and Oliver Queen. I mean, where is Bruce Wayne? Is Bruce Wayne a kid in Gotham and his parents just died? Is he part of the, the, uh, the League of Assassins? Is he in Gotham now as the Dark Knight? I mean, is he an older, is he in our universe, an older, grizzled Bruce Wayne? Is he more like Affleck now? So, you know, you know what I mean? So I, I just, I would love to just even know where, you know, Bruce Wayne is. And like I said, in, earlier in our, in the beginning of our show, we mentioned that we would never talk about two cities, particularly two characters, that being Superman and, and Batman, Gotham and Metropolis. And we've done both. We've talked about Metropolis and we, you actually seen Batman or Superman. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. And again, this is way above my pay grade because DC decides these things. But, I, you know, I, I just think that it's waiting. Bruce Wayne is, is there. That's the story. You know, where, where did these... And I think originally, I think in the original mythos of this whole thing, um, Oliver Queen was the older, you know, he's the older guy. Am I, I am right about I that. I think right? between him and Bruce, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, he's old. But, you know, that doesn't have to be in our, in, in our universe. So I'll be, I'll be, I would love to see Bruce Wayne. Batman is on Earth-5, and his real name is John Diggle. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Or, you know, or if Flashpoint, which we have, have, have uh, already touched on, can we follow that storyline? That now is not Bruce Wayne, it's actually his father who is Batman. And if that storyline can work, because... To me, and they haven't said this, you know, the executives have not said this, but it seems clear to me that the movies, uh, the movie version of Justice League is going in the form of Injustice, and the TV series are kind of following and touching on Flashpoint. So I would love to see, and if all the geeks know what I'm talking about, everyone else is like, well, what is he talking about? <laughs> but, um, but I would love to see us follow Flashpoint more and see a, you know, maybe Bruce Wayne's father became Batman because of Bruce Wayne's death. So who knows? But I, I would love to see that. Well, I think even wasn't there a, a point in the show, it might have been on The Flash and not Arrow, but I think there was a, a moment because of Flashpoint that 
it was actually Oliver's father who became Green Arrow and not Oliver. Was that was that true? That was Earth. Was it Earth Two? Okay. That was Earth Seven Hundred and Fifty. Yeah, they're out there. I mean, I'd like to think that the movie universe. I, I know they they say they're completely separate, but I, I'd like to think that the movie universe is just a separate Earth in the multiverse. Well, it all could be, right? I mean, all, that's that's the great thing about those these multiverses that you can change anything. Now you have Katie Cassidy back, awesome, next season, as Black Siren. Laurel Lance had a few bad breaks and became Black Siren instead of Black Canary. So it's, you know, you can always play around with this stuff in these multiverses, so it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, raise your hand if you have any questions. We'll go right here in the front. We'll go towards the back next, I promise. Oh, this is about Stephen Amell. Yeah. How do you feel with them being on American Hey, Tom. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> about being on American Ninja Warriors when you're more ripped than him. Oh. Yeah, Stephen, where's the camera? You hear that? Okay. Um, no, he, he, speaking of rip, he rips Ninja Warrior. He does a, a fantastic job. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would love to have done that. Uh, but obviously, they only have one person from each show. But Steve is great. You know, it's a funny story too because when I first when I first came to the show, and I was I was a pretty solid guy. I wasn't you know super big, but I was pretty solid. And then I, you know, I met Andrew Kreisberg. They're like, like would you like to do shows? I said, yeah, and I auditioned, met everyone at the networks and everything. They're like, welcome, welcome, welcome. And then we had the read through, and um, I met Steve. And Steven had about two months or three months to really work out. And I met him, and he was like, hey, what's up, Dave? I'm Stephen Amell. <laughs> he was just solid. And I was like... <laughs> so, I'm your bodyguard. Right. Um, so I had to hit it, man. I had to hit the gym. I had to hit the gym. And um, had to get bigger than Stephen. <laughs> and, um, but it was fun. I mean, we, have a, we have a healthy challenge with each other. We, we always encourage each other. We, we, you know, Steve, it's funny too because Steven, Steven is so great for the show and he's brought so much to the show. We, with, he's just an incredible leader of, of our show, really. And, um, and, and, and as a leader of our show, you fight for certain things, right? You, you, you fight to have protein. I mean, just on the set. I mean, it sounds stupid, but when you have to take your shirt off, that's important. And you fight not to have as much sugar you know, on the set, or you fight to have this, fight to have that. So, um, we were fighting, we haven't won the fight yet, but we're, we've been fighting to have a, tr a workout trailer on the set, like a, a trailer that follows us around that just, just has workout equipment. A mobile gym. A mobile gym. Yeah. So, Steven's still working on that, so let's, let's pray for Steven. I know, <laughs> I know in Atlanta, one of the questions I asked you, and for the life of me, I can't remember the answer you gave me, was when we were going to be able to see you do the salmon ladder. Yeah. And I was actually going to amend that to when are we going to see you run American Ninja Warrior, but, you know, somebody... Yeah, I, 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 I recorded personally because I got so much, so much from the fans, like, we want to see it, that I did it on my own and, and put it out on there. So it was out there. It's out there in the ethos that I, I've done the salmon ladder. But you've never seen John Diggle do the salmon ladder, so that would be fun to see that. At some point, I mean, it's there in the Arrow Cave. You might as yeah. well take advantage of it. Yeah, might I think as well. we've seen. I think we've even seen like Echo and Emily attempt it. They attempted it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, more questions? Uh, back here. I was wondering uh, if you can do me a solid. Yeah, I can do a solid. What's up, man? What's up? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna embarrass this girl real quick. It's her birthday today. All right. Who, what's her name? 
Monique. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, I was wondering if you could say happy birthday to me. Hey guys, you ready? Monique's birthday. Are we ready? On three. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Monique slash Batgirl. Happy birthday to you. Awesome. You're welcome, bro. Right there in the gray. Oh, oh, great. I got to run all the way. <laughs> yeah. You do. Sorry. Can you stand up, whoever's chosen? Because I, I don't know who right it there, is. Right there in the gray. Yeah. I'm lucky. With Arrow moving to Thursdays at 9, do you think you're going to get a little bit more of the grit that you want? Uh, there, is it moving? Yeah, it's moving. I think, I think they're putting it up against This Is Us, too, which is. Well, that's in this market. Is that, in, is that nationwide? I, I, I could be wrong. I thought it was. This is the first time I've heard that. It's moving okay. Thursday? To 9 p.m. Supernatural. Yeah, Supernatural is going to proceed. Are you sure about that? Yeah. I think no, I'm, I'm sure that it's happening. I just, I'm curious as if, if it's happening nationwide. Wow. So we're after Supernatural now. So Supernatural's our lead-in? Yes. <laughs> I didn't do it. That would be I'm an gonna, awesome crossover. I'll just say it in, in Diggle Boys. Damn it, Oliver. <laughs> no, it's Barry's fault. <laughs> yeah, Barry's fault. Yeah, it is Barry's fault. <laughs> Damn it, Barry. <laughs> um, what was the question? <laughs> You'll get more of the grit that you want because it's oh, because it's after Supernatural is not that. You know, something that's great. Um, great question. You would think, right? If it, if if nationwide has been pushed to nine. Um, I can only hope the part of the executive decision on that would be to kind of make it a little more gritty and and, and a little more dirty. Um, it'd be nice for that. I mean, I'm still wrapping my head around following Supernatural, but it'd, it'd be nice. And Supernatural's awesome. 13, 12 seasons? I think next season will be their 13th. Yeah. Oh my God, Jensen, Jared, my God. Um, that's a gig. That's awesome. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, but yes, I can only hope that we will see a little more, a little more darkness at nine o'clock. And and not that darkness means necessarily good. You know what I mean? Just just a, I I I I think that's part of just it being more grounded and gritty is is part of what Arrows has always started with. And I I don't, I don't think I think that's what the fans have always wanted. That's at least from the beginning. And I don't think we can make a mistake with uh, being true to that. I think it's something that, that fits very well. I know there's some people that have, that have complained over the course of time that sometimes Arrow can get too dark, but I think, yeah. I, I think since the beginning of this show, I think that's one of the things that has worked best for the series. It's funny too, I mean, you can't please everyone, right? Because when, when I think there was a part in season three, particularly maybe after Felicity and Oliver kind of ran off in the, into the sunset at the end of one season, and then the next season you kind of see them in home life, and you kind of see a more cheery, happy Oliver, and people were like, ugh, like, boo, <laughs> you know? So I, I think that the strength of the show is, you know, kind of a grizzled, though, though I do think that they need to get their act together. I think we have to kind of, yeah, I think we have to kind of just make a decision on that one, you know? Um, They're like the Ross and Rachel of Arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think they just, you know, they should, you know, just be like John and Lila. They're together and no one makes a big fuss out of it and that's just that. You know, go and get on with your lives. Yeah. yeah.
Have you ever imagined anything uh, in CGI that when you saw it in the final cut, it looked a million times better than what you were thinking? Yeah, King Shark. Okay, the, when in, on Flash, when, when we crossed over Flash, I did an episode against King Shark, right? I had to find King Shark. All right, you know these little, um, these not little, the long poles in the department stores, they have a hook on the end, and they get the, the, the clothing from all the way up top where no one can reach? Well, they put a tennis ball on top of that, and that was King Shark. So we had to act against that for King Shark on the set, right? So this is Diggle looking at a long pole with a tennis ball on top. Dear God. Right? That's Diggle. So um, it always turned, that turned out a lot better because it wasn't a pole or a tennis ball when you guys saw it. But, and, and no one, I, I think they also had a, there was a guy about 6'8", he had these little things all over him so they can CGI him. I think he, he held a guy horizontally and they made that King Shark's mouth, <laughs> kind of holding a guy. And um, so there was that. But King Shark, I thought, turned out really well for me. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I think King... No, you'll be next, but go. Go ahead. King no, Shark, no, no. no, no, you go. I was going to say, King Shark, I think, was one of the oh, no, things. No, okay. that, no, no, King Shark, King Shark brought Kevin Smith into the fold with right. some of the other that's shows right. with Flash. and yeah. that, Kevin that was great. what impressed him yeah, yeah. To, to direct. Yeah, yeah. Kevin's great. Kevin, I, I would love Kevin to come over to Arrow. So would I. Yeah, it was awesome. We're waiting for it. But I saw your hand up for a long time. So. You just wrote a six-episode arc in season six. Thank you very much. Um, her question was, do you think they'll take Lila down a dark road and leave John Diggle to choose between his affection and love for his wife and his obligation to Oliver? That's a great question. That's a great story. Um, my short answer to that is yes, because we've already talked about that. That's, that's clearly where much of the story is going to be going in season six, because we already touched on that in season five. Um, how much we want to explore is, uh, is the question. Um, how, I, I don't know if Amanda, or if Lila will become Amanda Waller. She'll go that rogue, that dark. And, you know, Diggle, Diggle is one to talk. You know, I mean, it's not like he's not a vigilante. <laughs> I mean, he is. So it's, you know, but he has his own code and, and his own sense of righteousness. And, but I, I think you'll see the family quarrel first. And um, I don't know if they'll take it as far as him having to decide between Oliver and Lila. But I, I, I think we'll see some of that element. You know, it's a 26, 23, I'm sorry, uh, show season. So we're going to touch on that for sure in season six. Great question. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's great. Um, me and Diggle. Me and Diggle. <laughs> yeah. I am Diggle. Uh, me and Steven, You know, we were talking. We were talking about like one of the cons, where us like doing something where, you know, because Steven's a lot of times right next to me at, when we do heroes and villains and there's some other cons. So he'll be signing and I'll be next to him or maybe a couple down and maybe somebody will come and Steven, blah, 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 they'll talk and just slam him into a breakaway thing and then I'll come and it's like he'll be out, he'll, the bag I'll be gone by the time I get to Steven and it's just the face and it's Steven, it's the face, it's Steven, it's the face. And, you know, we talked about that. 
So, um, yes, I'm jealous. And um, I don't know, a tag team match now, I don't know who it would be against. Um, but I would love to touch on some of that WWE stuff. I don't know if Steven's going to do it again, though. It's, it's, and Steven can tell you better than I can, but it's, you know, just like anything else, it's, it's really political. And I don't know if he's going to continue doing it. Um, though I would love to see some more people on our show from the WWE. But I don't, I don't know who we would go, who, who we would go against. I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I would maybe I would just be in the corner cheering him on. I don't know. But it'd be fun. I would love to do it. Yeah. I, you made me think of this too when we talking about bringing up Supernatural earlier. Then you just said, you know, me and Diggle. Uh, there was an episode of Supernatural in which Jensen and uh, what's the other guy's name? Jared. Jared. That's it. Um, and I watched the show. Um, Jensen and Jared actually went into like a different universe or something where they portrayed themselves, they portrayed actors. What if in the multiverse, John Diggle meets David Ramsey? Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Um, John Diggle meeting David Ramsey. I, I, I think that David Ramsey wouldn't understand why he stayed with Oliver so long. Yeah, I would say, wait, 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 wait. He kidnapped your wife? You, your friend's best friend changed your daughter into a son? You've been shot three times? Poisoned once? I, I think he would say that you should pick your friends a little better, John Diggle. I, I don't know if David Ramsey would get it. I, you know, but I... I because John Diggle is just, he's a much better guy than I am. Oh. Yeah. I think we have time for one more question, so I'll let you do the honor of choosing who that is going to be. What's going on, man? <laughs> They're like, I don't know, I don't know, I'm just here, you know, I'm just chilling. If you were to uh, somehow gain a superpower in one of the episodes, um, what do you think it would be? That is an awesome question. Well, it would be speed, but someone has that already. Um, so it would probably be Xavier's power. So I can stop Oliver Queen from doing dumb things. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's a good answer. Um, you know, we can fit in one more. We'll yeah. do one more question. We still got a little time. Let's go all the way to the back. Well, way back. Right near the exit, the fire pole right there. Right there, you know, you're looking backwards. There you go. You're the guy, yep. Nightwing. You're that man on microphone. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Um, so That's another one I would love to see, Nightwing. I would yes. love to see him. Um, what I'm going to ask is, I'm taking this out of DC for a second. Have you seen any of the Marvel shows, whether it was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Netflix? Like, and if you have, which is your favorite? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, Iron Fist, oh, Iron Fist. Yeah, okay. Wherefore art my Iron Fist? Um, I had high hopes on Iron Fist. Um, still do. Looking forward to the Defenders. All right, cool. Um, Luke clearly, Cage? it's clear. Well, I like Luke Cage. Though I, 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 I would love to have seen a, I would love to have seen a 
And I, I love the show, and I love the guy who portrayed the major villain. I would love to see a, more, a, a better villain for Luke Cage. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. It's clearly Daredevil. It's clearly Daredevil. I, I think um, there's a there's a stairwell scene in Daredevil. He fights these goons down the stairs. There's another Daredevil scene of him in a hallway where the camera one, yeah. just doesn't stop and just stays there. That's just like, oh my god, it's really really well done. I, I like the fighting um, in Daredevil. I also like the stories in Daredevil. I, I think he's tortured and self-righteous and and um, and just a really good vigilante. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they form that alliance of the Defenders. So for me, it's it's um, it's Daredevil. I'm still want to see Moon Knight. I say that every single time because that's my favorite Marvel character. I love Moon Knight. Anyway, but I'm, I'm looking forward to to Defenders. And right now is Daredevil. That's my favorite Marvel comic book property on television. Though I think I think Mark you know I think Mark Ruffalo deserves a standalone Hulk. I mean, I do too. I think you know, he's we, been fantastic since he took it. I think so too. I think I just and just he just has Bruce Wayne, Bruce um, Banner. Uh, well, I think we're out, we're out of time. But ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Mr. So David Ramsey. Very good question, Be sure to stop on at his table too.